got you on our screen looking good. Appreciate you coming on the Edge broadcast tonight. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. But but it's not night where you're at. What time? It's Nick. It's tomorrow. You're in the future. Yes, yeah. It always gets me a little bit. It's twelve thirty on Sunday afternoon here. Okay, and, and you're in, in what country are you in again? I'm in New Zealand. New Zealand. Do they call that? What's there? Isn't there another name for that? Auckland or? Well, they call people who live here Kiwi. So maybe that's what you might have heard. Okay, Kiwi. Okay. Well, I've yeah, had like the fruit. Okay. Well, there, there you go, Kiwi. You know, Tessa, we've got um, a, a, a lot of sort of sadness in the world. People, they look at the news really too much. I think we we get blasted mm -hmm. by news every every which way. I mean. I mean, I get texts from political organizations I didn't even talk to, don't know nothing about. Everybody's wanting my help. And I'm thinking, I, I don't want that. Okay, I'm, try, I'm trying to keep my mind focused on the good things of life. Mm -hmm. So I thought we need to have a show. And I like the kind of in your bio, it says you help people to live a life they truly love. And I think that that might be being lost in the worldwide conversation that, you know, this group against that group and this inflation, this and ain't got no money there and jobs that and shot this. Um, but how about advancing in life and living the life of your dreams because it ain't over? No, oh, 100%. If you're still breathing, you still got purpose, right? Right on. Well, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's just there's such a focus on, and, and it's really been put on thick by the media. There's such a focus on lack and fear. So that is that is all what we're seeing. And, and with my coaching, I tell all my clients, what you focus on, you attract. So we're only getting more of it currently. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, well, is it is it when, when you talk about focus on and, and, and I guess the law of attraction type of thing. <laughs> so is that what do you is that one, one of the one of the one of your beliefs that uh, there is a law of attraction? Or are you I believe God has put universal laws in place for us to experience heaven on earth, 100%. I think law of attraction is just a new age name that people have given to explain how these principles work. Mm -hmm. But as everything in the universe, God has put it in place. He created for a very good reason, the same thing as gravity. And our energy is real, right? We can see it under a microscope. It can be measured. So we do give off energy and we are magnets that then attract energy to us. So I don't really agree with, with the new age principle of law of attraction and where it finds its origin in. But I think they have a lot of things right in how the workings of it go. Yes. <laughs> and when you talk about the, the biblical principles, there are so many scriptures that say that we have power over our situation. It says perhaps one that comes right to mind, uh, uh, behold the tongue is one of the smallest members, but yet it has the ability to steer a great ship. It's yep. like a rudder. Uh, yeah. And currently right to, to spark a flame and create a devastating fire. And I think we don't realize often when we, put comments out on Facebook or other people or, or on TV, on the radio, we don't realize what those words spark and, and the hatred and sometimes fueled by fear, what it can do. So you're absolutely right. We mm -hmm. have a lot more power than we give ourselves credit for. Mm -hmm. It also says uh, the power of life and death are in the tongue. Mm -hmm. So I really, we, we need, we need to be considered uh, considerate of, of exactly what we're, 
putting out there. You thought I guess we're talking euphemistically about the the universe, we, but we're putting something out there, and 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 the Bible says it has an effect. So words have an effect, and words is a vibration. Uh, you know, God spoke the word, and things happened. And he, I think the same principle to some extent happens to His crea- His is in His creation. But what we say back to the opening conversation is that we're being told what to say and we're being told what not to say. So mm. literally we are being ordered to agree with an ne- entirely negative situation that we don't agree with, even though we may say that's what it looks like it is. Our eyes are saying that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But even that many times our eyes are saying well, that situation is completely different, but the system is telling me to say something completely else, which I've described of course as gaslighting. We get gaslit all the time. So we, it's, it's so from what I can see, it's, it's a battle to resist those pressures. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's what the Bible says we need to do constantly, right? Make every thought, um, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the word of God. And, and sometimes I remember when I first became a Christian and what I thought is, oh my gosh, my life is going to be so boring now because there's all these rules and regulations, you know, and I can't do anything. But the more I've grown in in my walk with Christ and the more I've seen, you know, his heart for me, I've become to realize that the the blueprint he gives us for life and also in this case isn't to to contain us or to give us a dull and boring life. It's for our benefit. So when he says to do these things, you know, when he says to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, he says it for our benefit. And um, we had this conversation yesterday with friends. Oftentimes we repeat, we're like a parrot. We repeat things we've seen in the news or repeat things, um, lyrics from songs because they get stuck in our mind. We repeat things that we hear over and over again on the TV. And we don't even notice it's such a subconscious thing, but we are not helping ourselves by constantly repeating all the all the fear and negativity that that is being brought to us on on mainly uh, mainstream media. Okay, so so, so I'm, I'm a cowboy. You can tell by the hat. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you know I'm about country music over here in the states. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if in Kiwi land has country music. I don't know what kind of music y'all. What it, well, I have a weakness for country music. I lived what? in Mobile, Alabama for a year, and I absolutely loved it. Okay, um, so okay, I do I, have very much a weakness for it. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know if they had like the kilts over there. I might be in there. <laughs> No, so I'm just, yeah, playing. just playing. I don't but even no. know okay, if okay. okay. I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, okay. So so here, here's what I'm saying. So a lot of country songs are sad, okay? Mm. And so, you know, I'm singing along. Oh, my dog just ran off and my truck won't mm. start and the boss just fired me. Now I got to yeah. grab a beer. And, and when I'm singing that, am, am I projecting a future or is it just, I mean, how's, I mean how, how intricate do we have to be? Hmm. Well, unfortunately, and I say this unfortunately because I do love these songs as well. Everything we expose ourselves to has an effect one way or the other. And the more things we repeat, that becomes, again, the predominant focus in our lives and often not consciously because we don't want these things to happen, right? We don't, we don't want that to be the focus of our lives. But because we open our minds up and our mind is a massive filter, we have something that's called the RAS, our reticular activating system, which is this filter in our mind, which basically because we get 
overload of information every second. We get millions and millions of bits of information thrown at us. If our mind had to process all of it, then I couldn't even respond to you because there's too much going on and it, our brain would freeze. But what our reticular activating system or our RAS does is, okay, well, your focus is on all the beautiful things. Your focus is on what to be grateful for in life. So I'm going to pick out things in my surrounding and the information that I get in that align with that core focus, that align with that core belief. However, otherwise also opposite. If I day in, day out, listen to country music, how sad life is and my dog is going to die and that my wife's going to leave me. Mm-hmm. then that is what your reticular activating system is starting to filter out. So the negatives or, oh, my wife is is texting somebody on the phone, you know, what can that mean? So unfortunately, it is to that extent that everything we open our minds to, one way or the other, has an effect on us, whether we mm-hmm. notice it or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, not making fun here, but New Zealand now, is John Denver from New Zealand, right? I honestly don't know who that is. Okay, okay John Denver, he's kind of a... 80s kind of a country quasi country singer he had his songs like uh sunshine and uh rocky mountain high and uh, okay i'm afraid to tell you that i was only born in 89 so okay I might have okay that okay day. you don't have to you don't have to know what i'm talking about you don't have to know yeah. I'm, I'm using an example yeah. um all right so he has a song uh, rocky mountain high and he he's he, he did another good song as a, a remake of uh leaving on a jet plane well he died in a plane crash uh, I'm just wondering, he didn't sing that into existence, did he? Uh, first of all, I couldn't answer that because I simply don't know the lyrics mm-hmm. and I don't know the man just in general. Okay. So okay. But what I will say is that in our existence, when, for example, we have a trauma happen in our lives and when we don't deal with that trauma, oftentimes we somehow loop back to either the same event or a similar event because we haven't dealt with that. So so again, the, I don't think we've come to the full understanding yet of how our experiences, how our thought life, how our core beliefs actually regulate and create our reality. So very possible, but again, I don't know the lyrics, I don't know the man. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, that, that, that's fine. Hey, by the way, we have a poll on the Edge's website uh, and it says, uh, the question is, what is holding you back? And people have the option for fear, other people, money, confusion, lack of knowledge, government, or demonic forces. The results so far, uh, Tessa, is people say 28% say money and 28% say the government is holding them back. After that, 21% fear, 14% said demonic forces holding them back, and 7%. <clears throat> Send lack of knowledge. So it looks like the number one, two, number one, two issues in people's minds is that they think they have to have a certain amount of money, and it's a dad burn government uh, causing them problems. Uh, can you address both of those uh, perceived issues? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I would say I could sum them all up to be a hundred percent. And what's actually holding you back is your own excuses, because whether it is a government or demonic forces or money. It's not, a, it's not about resources. It's about resourcefulness. Um, and for example, I'll give you an example. If I tell you right now, you need to come up with $50,000 in cash tomorrow, you probably say there is no way. I'm not going to be able to do it, right? How about now I take your son captive, hold a gun against his head, and say, if you don't bring me $50,000 tomorrow, 
I'm going to blow his brains out. Very extreme example, but would you come up with the $50,000? You would. Mm -hmm. And then we can go into a discussion. Yes, but then I would take a legal route or then I would go to extremes. But again, it's not about resources. So that first excuse that I can't do what God has purposed me to do because of a lack of finances is always an excuse because we can be resourceful. There is always a way to do what God has placed in our heart, especially what God has placed on our heart because he always provides if he tells us something to do. He's just waiting for us to take the first step of faith. Then the second one, fear. Fear is perceived. So that is also something we can overcome if the motivation is big enough. Again, the same example. Would you um, go bungee jumping? Some people say, no, I'm afraid of heights. Okay. Would you go bungee jumping if I give you $1 million? All of a sudden, the fear is gone, right? You're already jumping and you haven't even been tied to the rope yet. So so fear is perceived. So again, 100% for me, it's it's excuses that's the problem and not any of the below options. I hope that answers the question. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go on down. The third one is fear. Fear. Is that what you said? Yes, fear. Yeah, so that's what I just addressed with the bungee jumping. Example, oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what then? Okay, yeah. but then what about the government? Does the government make our lives sometimes extremely difficult? One hundred percent. We live in New Zealand. We have been living here since two thousand eighteen. When the pandemic hit, we got told because we weren't permanent residents or we weren't citizens yet, or not, or permanent residents. We were told if you don't get vaccinated, you can't leave the country. So we were stuck for two years because we didn't we didn't get the vaccine, so we couldn't leave the country. So can the government disrupt your life in some way or the other? Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, they certainly but, they certainly yeah. interrupted my life because they deleted my YouTube channel. Oh yeah, well <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So so can they make our lives but, difficult? But I was but I, but I was resourceful, and now I stream on Rumble. Well, there we go. And maybe, you know, sometimes it's for the better because maybe it's less um, policed. Maybe you have more freedom there. Maybe your target audience is more there. So sometimes we also, again, our focus. You can say, well, because of the government, I can't live the life I want. Or like you, you can say, okay, no, because the government's doing X, I can do Z. And I'm going to believe that because of that, I'm going to become out victorious because of that, something good is going to happen. So again, mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's the focus saying, because we couldn't leave New Zealand for two years, we were able to save enough money to now put a deposit down for a house. So was I sad that I couldn't see my family? Was I sad that I couldn't be at my dad's funeral? 100%. But again, it's your focus. And, and mm-hmm. if you choose to set your mind to making the, best out of a situation you always can well that's the thing i I don't think people are used to that option i don't it just doesn't seem like very many people consider like say make the best of it because it's typically just a woe is me another hit and down further in the rabbit hole they go i mean Mm -hmm. there's a training there that people have so i'm thinking people need to unlearn these unhealthy thinking habits but how do they do it yeah. Well, I mean, the Bible calls us to be counterculture, and that is a very good place to start. So, for example, unsubscribe to some of the things maybe that are filtering in this pollution into your living room 24 7. 
if you feel drawn to watching things on Netflix that really put you in a in a down state of mind, if um, or if you constantly go onto YouTube and watch things that put you in a in a down state of mind or that will help you continue this blame game that you that you have been doing for such a long time, then unsubscribe, log out, remove your apps from your phone. I think that's very good place to start mm-hmm. and and i say again the bible calls us to be counterculture for a very good reason so usually if you see the crowd go that way you be clever and go the other way that mm-hmm. is a big part um of changing your circumstances one um and then a practical tip of how to change or unlearn behavior i would say is is awareness we live in a society where we're so rushed all the time. We have plans from when we wake up to when we go to bed. There is no longer time to sit and reflect. We have no idea the thoughts that run rampant in our in our minds and actually are controlling the show because most of our behavior is subconscious. So take time. Sit down. No noises. No no radio on. Not even if it's Christian worship music. Nothing. No. Um, put your phone away. Uh, tell your husband, wife, brother, whoever, not to come in, and really take time to listen. Okay, what's going on in my mm-hmm. mind, and what am I constantly mm-hmm. um, regurgitating in my mind? Now it's interesting you said about the even Christian music because it seems like I had a guest recently who said that because of the electronics that the devil can or demonic forces can put writers onto electronic media maybe not from say christian music station but maybe from somewhere else that's trying to ban it out across the world by putting it into electronic media i kind of kind of look at it if you've ever seen the movie uh, contact with jodie foster you ever see that a long time ago. I think that's an old movie. It's an old movie, yeah. And, yeah. and Matthew McConaughey's in it. But the basic thrust was they got a, and I think I mentioned this too as well. I'm just telling you because you mentioned that, but uh, they got a message from outer space and it was just a, a random beep. But then they found there were three different coding writers on that one thing. They had to decode it and there was there was instructions to build something. There was video and then there was audio. I'm just thinking that, electronics is a is a funny thing and it seems to be power uh, a power tool of the devil of course the bible does say that the prince of the power of the air so we know that somewhere or another like this broadcast here you're beaming up to some satellite i imagine uh and then coming back down somewhere else going who knows how they do it but uh, hey mm-hmm. i tell you what though um we got um uh, a question that says tessa do you have a legitimate example of how to manifest fifty thousand dollars in 24 hours yeah <laughs> Oh, well, I don't quite believe in the power of manifestation. I don't think I've even mentioned that word. Um, But I did mention, again, it's about resourcefulness. So is your motivation there to obtain that $50,000 in 24 hours? I I would love to speak to you and hear about where your motivations lie and why you need a $50,000. Because if we combine our willingness together with our motivation, together with our emotion, there is a 100% possibility that you can come up with $50,000 in 24 hours, but most of us aren't that motivated. Most of us are not willing to do actually what it takes 
to mm -hmm. get fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars in twenty-four hours. And if we're completely honest with ourselves, you probably counted the same same answer. Well, so probably not what you want to hear. But well, I, 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 I can give an example of somebody manifesting. Um, you, my worst, not yours. I'm just playing with the get uh, the mm -hmm. question. But uh, a lady was. It's a sad story, but. Uh, a lady was uh, sex trafficked at age 15 and she was repeatedly raped by this guy. This is in the news recently here in the States and she killed him, stabbed him 31 times. Well, um, there's a law, I think it was in Iowa. And the law says that if you kill somebody, no matter what the reason, you need to pay reparations to the estate or to the family. She, so she she was ordered to pay the, the rapist's sex traffickers family $150,000 mm. it's the saddest story ever however some friend of hers put up a GoFundMe account and within a couple of days she had $350,000 mm. so that's so I, that's not manifesting there but there are a lot of ways and a lot of things can happen uh, mm. and somebody could say well you could also maybe have, you know use part of your mortgage I'm just saying people immediately say there's no way but I'm still thinking I'm kind of agreeing with you it may not materialize instantaneously, but it just seems there's there's a lot of things, courses of action that one could take that could accelerate that to happen. Yep, and and one thing I'll say on on the topic of manifestation, if we kind of want to go that route, um, you manifest who you are, not what you want. So if you're trying to manifest all this money because there is a lack in your life and you're focused on that lack no matter how much you're moving heaven on earth, there is not, not a way that you're going to manifest that money because simply, again, it's a lot to do with your energy. However, this friend of this lady, for example, who posted this GoFundMe page, what was her energy? She wasn't doing it for herself. She wasn't doing it for the love of money. She was doing it out of love. She was doing it wanting to help a friend. And that energy resonated with so many people. And that's why the response was overwhelming. So the reason behind, and, and again, the energy we give out when we want to manifest is way more important than what we actually want to manifest. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's on that topic. Let's, let's address this little, little, little thing here. Uh, your website of course is behind me here. It says the vine dresser. That is that a person? Well, it's Jesus. Okay. All right. So, so, so what, yeah. Why did you choose that? What's 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 going on with that? Well, two things. Uh, beautiful enough, I was praying and I was asking God what my website should be called. And I opened the Bible and it was a verse where it talks about Jesus being the vine dresser. And he's and we are the branches. And um, he's the true vine, we're the branches. And when I went to look up the meaning, it is so perfect for what a coach does because a coach helps you to produce fruit multiple multiple fruit right um mm -hmm. a, a huge amount of fruit and how does a vine dresser do that is by helping clear the weeds by prune away things that are unhelpful by tending to the soil cultivating the soil so you can grow into um into having an abundant harvest mm -hmm. so to say mm -hmm. having an abundant fruit in your life so yeah that's how that came about Wow. Uh, so have you got responses from that? People saying well, that really fits or? Mm, yeah, I've, most people, I haven't heard anybody who doesn't like it. Some people often have no idea because especially with my accent, when I say the vine dresser, they're like, sorry, what? <laughs> so I do have to often explain, but mostly people love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, it is interesting that uh, you mentioned uh, clear, clear the weeds because I was going to bring this 
a little quip. I think it might have been on Twitter, but uh, somebody wrote um, this. And as you can see, it says, uh, don't waste your time with anything that may strangle your success. That applies to people, thoughts, foods. Take the time to acknowledge and water the things that promote growth. Don't water your weeds. This is just what you said. I love it. That's really good. I have never read that, but it's it's completely on point. And that's exactly what we spoke about earlier. Should you um, should you put your time on on watching something on Netflix that's not growing you? Should you listen to music that's not growing you in any way or benefiting you in any way? Um, the easy answer is yes. And, and I'm preaching to the choir. I mean, when I get tired, I love nothing more than watching a couple of episodes of CSI. Uh -oh. um, so, so we're never perfect, right? The Bible says we continue to grow from glory to glory. Mm -hmm. But I think, yes, this person is completely right. Our focus should always be on investing in things that grow us. Mm -hmm. And that includes the people in our life, because a lot of times we invest in people that were in our lives before we started growing. Mm -hmm. And we oftentimes need to sometimes or sometimes leave them behind because they want to keep us where they're at because they're in the comfort zone. They're not willing to leave that place. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. No, this should uh, this uh, could be on anybody's mirror. Seems like I uh, heard a preacher one time say, stay away from stinking thinking. But again, mm -hmm. we're surrounded by uh, so many things that are pumping that into our brains. It's, it's almost virtually impossible to escape but um well, let me ask you this question here uh, there's a lot of talk about transgenderism we don't have to go too deep into it but people believing that they're one thing when they're obviously not are they manifesting and i don't know what else word to to use there i guess but uh, are, are they is that does that work for them if they believe uh, like they're a dog or if they <laughs> a man believes he's a, a little girl or yeah uh, uh, such a loaded topic hey interestingly yeah. enough i'm trying always to read a lot of viewpoints I'm, I'm currently reading a book that is from the perspective of people that believe in evolution and even their um their way of looking at this is that is there certain and this is again evolution is there certain involvement in genes that may be a small tiny percentage of humans maybe one of the thousand people that say they're dealing with this that have a gene alteration that causes them to have both male and female um, organs or, or hormones or genes, whatever. And that's proven, right? There is some people have both male and female organs when they're born. So that's a small minority. However, the majority of it, it's just a popular thing at the moment. It is spewed in schools. It is made the the hype almost of of our 2022 or this era uh, mm -hmm. for you to choose what you want to be and we all agree that when you are i don't know when you're any child until the age of maybe 25 i thought i knew a lot when i was 25 but now when i'm 33 i'm thinking i was still a child i was still evolving so to give such a responsibility to decide on things such as gender First of all, I think it's very dangerous. And I think mm -hmm. when you're at that age, you're very susceptible to popular hype. So I think it's making the problem far worse. Mm -hmm. What I want to say on the small minority uh, that are born with both male and female or organs or that might have something in their DNA that's causing these issues. The Bible has said we, our transgressions will be going through to the third and fourth generation. 
Now, in, in science, this is proven that our genes can be polluted through generations to come. For example, mm -hmm. diabetes is passed through the genes. So I think definitely sin has sometimes caused our genes to, to have this occurrence. So I believe that there's a small minority that mm -hmm. have a valid issue and that we need to pray for however we're going to move forward in this world dealing with these people. But the vast majority is, is a popular trend to, to mm -hmm. jump on and not a real issue. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in this country, it seemed like a switch was thrown in January of 2020. Then everybody started saying, hey, let's go for the kids. And uh, and then our schools started to become flooding, flooded with uh, uh, gender dysphoria situation. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, all of a sudden, I don't even know if they're teaching what they're teaching in school, but it doesn't seem to be the basic core educational things anymore but it seemed like it happened all at one time so I, mm -hmm. i'm almost thinking well is there something political going on here is there some yeah. political advantage to have a bunch of eunuchs running around the world or something i think it's some kind of long-term depopulation situation going on here yeah to be honest when it comes to the whole agenda of depopulation or decreasing the population i don't know enough I've, I've heard the rumors myself, but again, I don't know enough. But mm -hmm. if you're asking me, would there be a benefit of having people from their teens being confused, being looking for the, to the media of what's right and what's wrong or what's next and who are open to receiving, um, receiving their information and receiving their orders from mainstream media, then yes, I think there's definitely a political gain for puppets who get indoctrinated from a very young age um, with whatever political agenda that mm -hmm. they're currently feeding. And when you're saying decrease the population again, yes, I could see the benefit of people who are not able to reproduce, right? Because mm -hmm. once you decide you're no longer a female and you take everything out, then that's it, that's done. If you change your mind, it's still too late. Mm -hmm. So yes, very possible, but. I don't know enough about the topic, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, on your website, it says, fearless women of God are meant to be doers of the word of God, not dreamers. And dreamer is a loaded word here in the States. Uh, so do you have examples of, of fearless women of God? Do you, do you know any? Well, I think Mother Teresa would be the obvious one. Um, uh, but again, and we all have our independent opinions about popular idols, but Oprah, for example. Oprah was somebody that everybody knows, so it's easy to use her as an example. She grew up in a very disadvantaged youth, had, has gone through the most horrific type of abuse, had dealt with a lot of negative events early on in life. Um, but she knew she was created for more. She knew she was destined for to, to help women also rise up. She could have decided to stay in her current circumstances, decided to stay in the excuses of why she couldn't be somebody important, somebody who people looked up to. But she decided to take a step of faith and push forward and really trust what the purpose was in her heart. So when it comes to really famous people, I think she's a great example. I think Mother Teresa, when everybody says she was crazy to go live in the favelas in Brazil, mm -hmm. she just trusted that that's what God wanted her to do. So I think those are two of the... Mm -hmm. of the big examples but i mean there's thousands of women right who have have defied the odds and, and followed their purpose yeah 
Well, I might question a little bit. Uh, fearless, I would, I would give, I, I give her that. She's worth over, she's one of the most wealthiest women, I think. I know she's well worth over a billion. Uh, she's been wildly successful in television. She's been in movies. Uh, but um, women of God, I, I'm not seeing it. I mean, I guess, I guess my sticking point would be, does a woman of God support abortion? you know an lgbq well rights. unfortunately I mean, I... many christians do and and it's a really sad thing and it shows us how far we've steered away from the true word of god i think there's many many christians today who are living too comfortably in the world and who are of the world and are not comfortable in in calling people out when they're clearly steering away from the word of god so yeah I, yeah, I think she calls herself, I'm pretty sure she calls herself a Christian. And I mm -hmm. think many women who, who um, support abortion do, and they fully believe that they have it right. But mm -hmm. um, Our, uh, yeah. we, we have a lunatic governor on the left coast of the United States named Gavin uh, Nuisance. And he has uh, taken out ads um, in uh, conservative states that want to ban abortion. And he's using, he's, he's, he's using scriptures. So, uh, I haven't got a list of those scriptures yet. I, I, I briefly saw it today, and I probably do a show on ad addressing him, the, the the audacity of a lunatic liberal using. And that's the thing: mm. the devil knows the word of God too, and the devil has yeah, used, better than most Christians. He, he he's used it to to shut Christians up forever, and that's why we have drag queen shows in front of two years olds in the public school system, because he they have successfully shut out the Christian. Uh, women of God, which you would think, um, if that's if that's if that's it'd be the focus of your, it looks like a type of ministry. They're not speaking up in this country because that what you that wouldn't have happened. But I always find it strange how they always, you know, says, "Well, Jesus wouldn't do this." You know, the the devil's claiming, "Well, Jesus wouldn't say that. Jesus mm -hmm. wouldn't judge you." Well, wait a minute, you know, and one of the the the, the and this is to, to to free people up. So I'm going to join you in this if if you agree to it, but. It says the left would tell a, a person of faith, judge not. So therefore, they took it to say, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and t tell little Johnny he's a girl and, and show him and sex toys in, in a, in a mm -hmm. kindergartner's book. That's fine because I don't want to judge you. you know. But the Bible doesn't really say that. What it's, th th there's, a, there's more to that scripture where it says judge not. It says, judge not lest ye be judged, but when ye judge, judge righteously. And the way you yep. judge righteously is because you know what the word of God says about a specific issue. But mm -hmm. we've completely been, we took that one little snippet and they use it against Christians constantly. But, mm -hmm. but on the, on the fearless women of God, have, have you faced something that required you to be fearless? In my life or in my work or sorry, just, well, uh, fearless women of God, I would, I would imagine that you're probably an example of what you're writing about. So I'm just, whatever, business, yeah. home. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I wasn't born a Christian. So when I became a Christian at age 17, I already had lived a life that was going to attract a lot of judgment. And I think in the beginning, it was very hard. Because you expect, I accepted God as my savior and he was love, right? He reached out to me at a very deep point in my life and he spoke to me in love through another person. And mm -hmm. that is what, who I gave my life to, the savior that loves and forgives. 
But as soon as I gave my life to Christ, the only thing that I was met with was judgment and condemnation about the life I had lived and and the complete mindset I was still in, right? I was I was still a unbeliever in my mind. I had I had just been reborn as a Christian. And and it says, you know, we renew our mind through the word of God. So that's a process. But all these people were expecting me to be right then and there, reformed, this Christian that is always doing it right. Anyways, I got a lot of judgment and condemnation. And because of that, started hiding away from God, started seeing myself through those eyes, having such judgment and condemnation for the behavior that I was still doing because I was now supposed to be this, this newborn Christian with better behavior. And it came to a point where I've tried to end my life. And having having that honesty to then look at myself and realize that I was ending my life out of self-pity and that me personally, that's why I'm so strong against excuses, had to give up the excuses of, of why my life was so terrible, why I was such a horrible person, why I could never be a Christian or live the purpose that God had for me. And I think, especially when it's in my book as well, I had to be very honest about the things I had done wrong. Um, for example, like being addicted in, in, to pornography as a child. I mean, it's not something a Christian really wants to talk about. But I think if we want to encourage each other to step out of the darkness and into the light and become everything that we were created to be, that that takes a lot of courage. So maybe fearless was never the right word. Maybe it should be um, courageous in the face of fear because I think we all fear something to some degree. It's just pushing through that fear well, and, and do I'm, it anyway. I'm not questioning your words. I'm just trying to learn. I'm just yeah. trying to learn. No, no, no. I'm questioning my own words as I'm now thinking, hmm, maybe we're not. So this is a beautiful process. We all learn. Okay. All right. So on your website is this scripture here, John 10, 10. And uh, why, why, why did you put, uh, pick this one particularly to be on your website um because it clearly just in one verse states our lives why we go through certain things and what god actually wants for us and that is why the title of my book is abundance awaits because the bottom is what jesus wants for us the bottom is god's heart and our, and his will for us that i have come that may that they may have life and have it more abundantly mm -hmm. However, we as Christians have been made to believe if we are sick, if we are facing persecution, if we get fired, if we are in financial lack, that is God teaching us a lesson. That's God punishing us. But John 10.10 10 makes it very clear that if anything is there to steal, kill, or to destroy, it comes from Satan and it does not come from God because God's will for us is to have life and have it to the full. And I, I really believe that that is my my ministry mission to show people that um, mm -hmm. that is God's heart for us. And from that point, we can start living a life in abundance because when we realize who and whose we are and what he wants for us to have, I think everything changes. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about the vine dresser earlier. Now in some Bible versions, this word here um, where it says, Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine and my father. In some versions it says, I am the vine dresser. And mm -hmm. uh, in some versions, there's a lot of vine dressers were, but in, in the King James, it, it's written as something else. So, um, I, and I, so, I'm, so I was looking at this here to try to understand uh, more about the vine dresser aspect of your, uh, of your ministry thing there. And uh, so it looks like he, he's saying that 
that, that once we're in the vine, that he wants us, I guess it kind of goes with the, the previous scripture, it says he wants us to bear fruit. Uh, so that's kind of, that sounds kind of goes, goes hand in hand with John 10, 10, where it says uh, that they might have life. So when you bear fruit, then you have more life. Is, it, would, is that a, a correct assumption? Yeah, I mean, a vine that's dead won't bear any fruit. So I think that you have put that quite eloquently. And that's, if we're not moving forward, we're dying. Anything in life that's not growing is dying. There's only two phases in life. And, and that is what God wants for us. And it says somewhere else in the Bible, I don't know where the scripture is, but you'll know it. Uh, Jesus gives us the choice. He says, today I put in front of you the choice between life and death. And, and then he says, I hope that you choose life. And that is exactly the choice that he gives us every day of our lives, every moment of our lives. And, and you're saying it completely right. If we choose death, if we choose negativity, if we choose being stagnant, then the result is that we won't bear any fruit because a dead branch can't produce fruit. Mm -hmm. So again, now on your, on your website, just addressing various things, because it, it goes to what I see as your, your beliefs. It says we are created to thrive and live in a in life of abundance in all areas. And that all is underscored. Um, so that tells me that uh, you're addressing people who think, yeah, I can thrive a little bit here, but over in this area, I can't. And you're trying to give some hope that all areas uh, of our lives but just previous to that it says life of abundance but now isn't abundance isn't that a loaded word itself because we think abundance means i'm gonna have a big fat checking account i'm gonna have a big house a big car you know mm -hmm. and, and all the things go with it but yeah. i mean i don't know that things should be measured with that i, I know you're probably not saying that either are you no, and I think it's just a beautiful example of what um, the world has done to bastardize a word that was used in the Bible. Because when it's actually used in John 10.10, the original Greek word is perisos. And perisos means so much more than abundance and wealth. Yes, it means that too, but it means uh, more exceeding, exceedingly remarkable. Um, it means in in exuding, or exorbitant exorbitant health. It means so much more than just abundance in wealth. Is it part of it? Yes, but that is not the main aim of living an abundant life. Abundance mm -hmm. financially for us Christians should stem from abundance in our spiritual life, mm -hmm. in abundance in in our physical life, and from that we can't help but have also a financial health mm -hmm. but that shouldn't be the first main aim to look at for okay. fine abundance in i believe okay so tessie you you came from uh where your life path brought you through the ups and downs and the the bad and the good and and uh, now here you're on a show and you're probably on other shows and you got this you know you got your website where you're putting this out are, are you saying that is this what the website is depicting of what you do and who you are is, is it is it because it, you came from something and then at some point you said I've got this I've got this I'm so changed that I need others to know that they can change too I mean was there, how, is are you trying to share what how you did it I mean is it a result of your success to do this and and, and share it with people on your website um yes of course I think there's always a um purpose in in our pain i mean again I'd, I'd never say that god puts 
pain on us. He never puts disease on us, but he does say he can bring beauty for ashes. So I do think that when it comes to God's will for us, he will always use something that we have gone through as a catalyst mm -hmm. to help encourage others so mm -hmm. we can make um, take purpose out of our pain. So is it a part of it? 100%. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that my path is then somebody else's path. And mm -hmm. I think that what's what makes coaching such a beautiful process that as a coach, I never tell you what to do. I ask you the right questions that bring you to your answers. And I think that more than a psychologist or a psychiatrist, we all have the answers. Remember when it says when the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of us, he is the source of all knowledge. So we mm -hmm. have all the right answers inside of us. Sometimes we just don't take the time to ask the right questions. So I think there's multiple facets to why I became a coach. It's definitely a part of my past. I believe that there is a lack of people living life with the word of God and understanding the power in that. And I bring that into my coaching. But then there's also just the beauty of having somebody ask you questions and, and take time to listen to your own answers. So it's a bit of a combination. Mm -hmm. All right. So now that's a, a theology question you just sort of phrased without, without even noticing. Uh, is it that God doesn't put sickness on it? But doesn't it say, though, that he whom he loves, he chasteness, would not, would sickness be a part of that? No, to be honest, I don't, I don't believe that at all. Cause again, if we go back to John 10, 10, mm -hmm. it states clearly what God, who God is and who he isn't. And if we look at God's will for us and we look at the Bible, okay, let's look at the Bible as a whole. God never wanted us to live under the laws the way he did in the old covenant. His original plan was the garden where he lived side by side by man in a, with man in a personal relationship. Then because of the fall and because of sin just leading us to, well, basically at the end, Sodom and Gomorrah, where we would have absolutely eradicated ourselves, where we would have self-destructed. He needed to put something into place to show people that sin leads to dead, death whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, emotional. But then eventually his aim then again was to have personal relationship with us. And that came through Jesus Christ. So ask yourself as imperfect as we are as parents, <laughs> would you put sickness on your child to teach them a lesson? Is that what good parenting is about? God being infinitely better as a parent would he ever put sickness on us to teach us a lesson? He has so many other ways to help us reach our true potential. He doesn't need to use the tricks of the devil. And, mm -hmm. and just to reiterate again, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm -hmm. That is well, not God. Well, it does say that the goodness of the Lord leadeth men to repentance. So uh, I, I do, do see your point there. Um, Jade asked the question, what if others won't forgive you of your sins? Then what do you do? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, well, we shouldn't be looking to others for our self-worth. So, And we shouldn't look to others in this world for their approval. So if they can't forgive you, we must always remember that we have already been forgiven by the one person whose opinion matters, and that is Jesus Christ. And even more so, we should pray for those people. 
because, and I don't know if you guys are very familiar with Nelson Mandela in the US, he is the most beautiful image of a person that decided not to harbor anger and resentment and he chose to forgive when he could have held on. And he says, holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment is like drinking poison and hoping for the other person to die. So to be honest, feel sorry for that person. And I can say this from personal experience, having dealt with a lot of resentment and bitterness towards my own mom, Mm -mm. it physically makes you sick. So if there is a person in your life that is unwilling to forgive you, pray for them. Pray that they may find the love of God because it's hurt people that stay stuck in that. It's people Mm -hmm. that have other people not forgiving them that are stuck in in that unforgiveness. So it's just really more sad for them than it is mm-hmm. for you because the only um, only person that needs to forgive you has already, and that was Jesus. So I hope that gives you encouragement. Yeah. By the way, that qu- question was from Rose. By the way. So okay. So have have you uh, been able as you as you work with people been able to say bring somebody from point A to point B where point B is this um, sort of uh, fearless, abundant life? Have I brought them? I don't want to take that credit. Again, I think people are their own best healers. Mm -hmm. So have I facilitated the process? Yes. But oftentimes people will go away with what I've given them. And it doesn't always happen overnight. But they will come back later and say, oh my goodness, I finally get what you were saying. And I've had this beautiful revelation. Often they get it while praying. So I want to give God the, the credit again. So sure, I facilitate the process, but um, people ha- do all the work. And, and you can see the difference. If they don't want to do the work, they won't succeed. They won't get to their point B. Um, but if they're, they're willing to come in and do the work, it is them that bring themselves to point B. Mm-hmm. I'm just there giving them the right tools. I'm just going to plug in my laptop. Two seconds. (laughs) Okay. Hello, everybody. We're talking to Tessa Hotman from New Zealand. Thank you so much. Otherwise, we were going to die here. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you did. Uh, What kind of internet connection you got over there? Just a normal fiber wireless, I believe. All right, because the, vi- the video is just a bit choppy, and I don't know why, but this is oh. this is country versus country, so I guess I'll give them a little slack for that. Yes, we are a bit in the sticks here, so I'm sorry if it's a little bit choppy. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I blame it on Skype, because Skype's choppy to begin with, and then put, put a world connection in there, and it's double. But anyway, we're getting the audio perfect. So, uh, all right, so let's check. We're going to check our um, poll. And see if we move those numbers because because Tessa, that's really what we want to do. We want to see if they change as as people learn from the guests. And they do actually yeah. change sometimes. Sometimes they change what direction we don't want them. But all right, here, let me find out where it I is. I feel bad now because I gave them an option that wasn't in there. <laughs> so I hope I didn't right. skew the results. Uh, I, you know, I was going to put in in that list, I was going to put uh, is, is Uncle Fester holding you back? But nobody really, really know what that is. All right, so here we go. Uh, what's holding you back? It looks like it's still pretty much the same fear in government money's third demonic forces i i don't know that we we didn't talk about that so let's go down that list there uh demonic forces do they keep us from reaching our full potential um 
yes, the devil is very real and he can cause serious problems, but I do believe we give him far more credit than mm -hmm. we should. Mm -hmm. And um, I mentioned this in my book when I actually talk about the blame game and all the excuses that oftentimes it's also a very convenient excuse, right? The devil made me do it or like, mm -hmm. so. Maybe he did. Yes, he's very, hey? Maybe he did. If you're, if, you're, no, if you're possessed. I believe that God gave us authority over Satan, not the mm -hmm. other way around. Yeah. And then again in the Bible, it says, you know, the, the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Dad mm -hmm. talks about needing a certain permission. And he says, like a roaring lion. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have that much power. He's a defeated foe, remember? Jesus has defeated him once and for all. And we have that same power jesus gave us um god gave us authority and dominion over this earth which includes satan and he when he said when he goes up to heaven it's beneficial for us because then the holy spirit can come inside of us mm -hmm. he, he then gave us the authority to drive out demons to heal the sick mm -hmm. and raise the dead so we need to realize that we are so much stronger have so much more authority and power than the devil and as th that those demonic forces only get as much room to roam in your life as you give them. Mm -hmm. um, and it does seem to be there is some kind of permission-based uh, situation going on here. I think, uh, as we started earlier talking, I think if we speak negative things, we're kind of given permission for negative things to happen. But there is a scripture where you talk about giving, giving the, old, the old devil too much credit. At some point uh, in heaven, there's going to be a question, and maybe it's on earth, but it says, is this the one that deceiveth the whole earth? In other words, they look at this devil person as, as, at astonishment and thinking, this little scrawny dude deceived the whole planet? So there's a question there about how we ascribe so much power to him that maybe he doesn't really only have the power that we give to him. Well, he has the power of, um, of deception, like you're saying, right? He has the power of suggestion. And I think that's the best way to describe it. Oftentimes, something pops up in our minds, and it, that's why the Bible says, right, take every thought captive. So the devil kind of just pops a suggestion in there to see what you will do with it. Like, oh, I have this pain in my side. Could it be cancer? And then he just leaves, and he sits back and sees, sees what you're going to do with it. Are you going to straight away rebuke it and say, no, mm -hmm. I know that I'm healed, that Jesus stripes healed me in Jesus' name? Or are you going to now start Googling on WebMD what all the symptoms of cancer are? So, mm -hmm. and that I think is a perfect example of, of what Jesus or what the Satan does. He just pops it in there and then he sits back and says, <laughs> sees what you do with it. Just pops it in there. Now, I, I, got a, I got a tip, and this goes along with what you're saying. If, if you have a pain, people, don't go to the internet because yeah, Tessa, it, it, it is exactly what you said i i've done it i've done it a couple times myself and i think i had i don't know it looked like 50 or 60 different conditions man i mean for one little lake i think wait a minute man i mean i, I by, by what i read i shouldn't even be alive but mm. but i realized that what it really was was i'm get i'm not as young as i used to be and so i get an ache and pain and now that that's gone but i'm just saying at the time so i, I think it's just best to stay away from stay away from the internet because uh, this is exactly like you said and then then the other thing is that he he pops them in but tessa isn't that suggesting that our thoughts may not be our own 
100%. We on average get over 6,000 thoughts every day and 80% of them being negative on average. So thoughts come from all over the show. And I think Joyce Meyer says this best. Um, she says, you know, you can't prevent a bird from flying into your hair, but you can prevent it from making a nest. And there again comes our responsibility to then actually um, either rebuke those thoughts or like um, John says, meditate. If mm -hmm. it's a good thought, meditate, run with it, make it bigger, you know, remember a time that you were grateful uh, when something comes up in your mind, sit with it. But then on the other hand, if something comes in and 100% and the devil can put suggestions in and that's what he did to Eve, right? He popped a suggestion in, he, he made her question God's word, um, which wasn't fully Mm -hmm. instructed to her properly but anyways um and then we can decide to run with that so no i don't believe all our thoughts are our own um a lot of thoughts get popped in there by the media they're very good i mean that's why they're marketers well, now, right no, now that's not a thought what were you if the media pops in there it's it's a it, it's a it's a digital it's digital media it's words but that's not a yeah, thought. You can think about think, it, right? but they didn't put it in your mind. You read it and it went in that way. But are you saying that's a thought? No, I'm saying that what the media, what, for example, a commercial is, is nothing but stirring your emotion to make you, for example, think that you need this car because then you will feel mm -hmm. a certain way. Okay. So, again, it's a suggestion, right? So, mm -hmm. um for example, back in the day, all beer commercials or our cigarette commercials went with all these beautiful ladies. So suggesting that, oh, if you have a drink or a cigarette, you're going to have a good time. That then leads to a thought. So they definitely make us think. And that's what our brain does, right? It's constantly wearing. All these wheels are constantly going. So whatever we are engaging with, that then comes up sometimes involuntarily with, with a question in our mind. So that's mm -hmm. what I meant. Okay, so so you're not suggesting then that an external power can put thoughts in our mind. They're thoughts that we develop thinking on things we've learned or what we've intaked. Oh, I definitely think the devil can work through people, for example. So in, in that way, he could definitely ask us a question. I mean, if some people give themselves over to the devil, okay, then okay. the devil can okay. use them to then, ask whatever question they okay, want. Okay. And that will always lead to a thought. Okay, but so not to belay the matter, but can something put a thought in your mind that's not yours? There's nothing that you, you're not reading nothing, you're not watching anything. A thought comes in your mind. Are they always your thoughts? Maybe based on things you've got over here in this section, they came over here and created thinking, a thinking process. I'm saying, can something, you know, that, you know, the Bible says that God is that still small voice. We know that God can talk into mm -hmm. your mind. Yeah, but can, but can but something else because he lives inside of us. Can something else put thoughts in there from an external place? It's a bit of a loaded question because we need to understand where thoughts come from. And then we're really diving into neuroscience. But thoughts are often suggestions from our subconscious. And our subconscious takes sometimes a while to process. That's why we while why we dream at night. That's why we need so much sleep because our subconscious is actually going through these things. So yes and no. Most questions that come up have an external source. 
we've seen something, we've smelled something, we've heard something, but it's then our subconscious or sometimes our conscious, if we are really aware and we are using our frontal part of our brain more, we can direct the questions. But most often than not, our subconscious will pop these random questions in. So does somebody pop it in? No, there is, I don't believe there's like an alien that comes in and like kind of probes us with questions. No, but questions are oftentimes, um, come from us experiencing things, if that makes sense. Okay. So, so I know this wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a thought or dream conversation, but, uh, you're saying then that things you already know formulate at some point, a thought that you may, but even at that point, it is your thought, but it say the devil. So I'm, you know, there's always that car, kind of cartoon. You got the devil sitting on this, this side and Jesus on this side and they're both talking mm -hmm. to you. You're saying that the devil can't speak a thought into your mind. Is that what you're saying? Yes. No, I, well, again, yes and no, because he can make you notice or like he can use another person to throw an insult at you and that will bring certain um, thoughts with it. Like for my, my example, right? People that um, brought all that judgment onto me when I was a new believer. I definitely feel that there was demonic influence at some point where people have opened themselves up to the devil and or opened themselves up to be his mouthpiece. Um, again, there's a permission involved, right? Um, and then because of that, they now lash out and they say something hurtful to me. Now, the devil has you work through another person, but that then, based on my previous experiences, based on my mental state, based on where I am in my life, uh, who, how I see myself, that then comes up and formulates questions in my mind. For example, with, with me, it came to a point like, am I worthy of living? Do I want to continue on? You know, uh, this, this isn't bearable anymore. So I can't answer that question with a direct yes or no, because there's way more involved than what we are aware of. So that's the best answer I can give you. Mm -hmm. Can a Christian have a demon? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, have you ever met any that you felt like had a demon? I've met an atheist last week who I thought could be a bit demon possessed, but no, I wouldn't <laughs> know anything right now that... Well, now, I've met people in my life that have had... Um, definitely opened themselves up to... Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you call it demonic visitations, but I don't know if I've met any Christians that I would say were clearly demonic. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, people can say, go to a class and you think you got them heading in the right direction, but as soon as they leave the class and the first sort of temptation comes up, they instantly mm -hmm. go to the go-to behavior pattern. How do you, yeah. how do you address that? Well, what I usually tell my clients is that we need to understand that we have a brain and that we're not our brain. Our brain has one single purpose, and that is to keep us alive. And how it does that sometimes isn't beneficial to us. So, for example, going back to your old behaviors, signal security, right? Because while you were doing those old behaviors, at least you were alive. Smoking is a very good example of this. Why a lot of people struggle oftentimes to quit smoking is because 
the long-term effects of smoking aren't registered by your brain. Your brain is only interested in short-term survival, the same with obesity and overeating. Your brain will go back to that or try and steer you back to that because that was safe. It kept you alive while you were doing that. Mm -hmm. However, when you want to try a new behavior, a new habit, your brain hasn't been there. So you first need to be able to convince your brain that this is a safe action that is going to not going to hurt or harm you in any way and actually keep you alive. So that is oftentimes why we go back. That's why sometimes people go back to negative things, right? Mm -hmm. While there's all these positive possibilities, but they'll still revert to the old behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is simply because we have a outdated, outdated brain sometimes that hasn't quite caught up with all the new developments and possibilities in the world and just cares about survival. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that the mind is enmity against God and cannot know the things of God. So it seems that God doesn't necessarily want us to work from our brain. He seems to be inferring mm-hmm. he wants us to work from our heart. So in a course of, of, of a daily process, how do we know we're working from our heart or from our brain? Oh, good question. Um, hmm. We can come back to that. Uh, Let me come back to that. No, I was going to say our brain takes shortcuts. Okay. So what I said earlier is the brain cares about reducing or resuming, keeping as much energy as it can, so expending as little energy as possible and keeping you safe. So if there is decisions made out of fear, made out of the unknown, made out of ease or comfort, then we can surmise that it's usually our brain. Because what God says in the Bible is that, you know, he doesn't promise us an easy life. And he has promised us, actually, when we follow his path, when we follow what's in our spirit, we will be met with persecution. We will be uncomfortable. Those are all very much against what the brain wants. So if you feel like you have to push yourself or if there's Mm -hmm. a certain friction, um, that is often a good sign. So, so. Really, what I should have done on this poll question here, I really should have put in there what's holding you back. Uh, I should have put your brain. Yeah. Because I, I, I yeah. do agree that that most people don't advance in life because the, their their brain is trying to give them every possible outcome that could happen with at a point of decision. And it use, it always defers to the defensive mode rather than the offensive mode and, 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 and living by faith. It takes that defensive mode. So I'm thinking that the brain may be the primary, primary, primary thing that's hold, that holds people back. Yes, I think as long as we're not aware of, of how the brain works. And um, I mean, there's also hundreds or thousands of good things that the brain does. But um, as long as we're not truly aware of who's running the show mm-hmm. and we kind of live on autopilot, then definitely our brain will be a big hindrance in reaching our purpose. Definitely. So the brain seems like it needs to be retrained is what it seems like to me. And so has, has somebody, has somebody come to you with, with the problem that they said they took your course or whatever, and it didn't work and that now they're mad at you? Yeah. Um, I have, I have cut a client who um, I've, I've given all the tools, but it wasn't working simply because, he was comfortable where he was at. Mm-hmm. So, yep, there can be people that go through the course and life stays the same. 
again, there needs to be a certain um, willingness to so, move. There needs to be a bigger motivator mm -hmm. than so, your comfort so, zone. So you're saying, your comfort you're, zone so you're saying you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. That's, that's exactly the words I use for this particular person. Yep. <laughs> wow. And then really that's not there. It's not your fault if, if they're not going to make that move. I mean, the people got to know that, uh, habits is wait a minute maybe you know this what is that thing it takes 21 times to make a habit or something it's not really true actually so they say it takes 21 days to form a habit okay okay there but in reality a habit is formed anywhere between 2.7 seconds and 56 days so it all depends on how much repetition, how much urgency we put on, on this new behavior, on this new action. Um, but when we actually look at a brain under a scan, when it's making a new decision, for example, am I going to eat a salad or a burger? Um, we can actually see that that process takes 2.7 seconds on average. But then to continually choose that salad over that burger and chips, um, that then becomes... Um, a point of repetition and urgency of how badly you want that change, mm -hmm, how badly mm -hmm. you want the new lifestyle. Um, and, and that is something that can take however, however long, depending on how much effort you put behind mm. it. Sounds like I need, sounds like I need some brain adjustment there. Cause I think I would go for the burger and chips. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, if, if your life is not a priority to, to have six pack abs and look like a, a supermodel and be healthy and fit, then go for the burger and chips, right? We mm -hmm. all have different priorities. Well, doesn't the Bible say it's not what goes into the belly that defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth? <laughs> well, it also says we need to treat our bodies like the holy temple because Jesus <laughs> lives inside of us. So okay, you I got think, me. again, there's, <laughs> there's a bit of a nuance there. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you knew that one, but thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, no, we all, we all struggle with changes. We're all, always trying to make better. Do you Have you coached, I guess coached, is a life coach, coach somebody that has moved into doing something that compels them to help others? Have you seen that kind of change or is it, is it mainly just self-improvement or have you seen somebody advance so far that now they're, you know, teaching little kids or, you know, they're trying to help in the elderly or doing some, that kind of work. Oh, I love that question because that is the same with the person I actually wanted to say earlier that um, wanted to make, you know, $50,000 in 24 hours. Oftentimes when we start coaching or when we start in a process of self-improvement, it is usually a selfish motive. We want to improve our health. We want to improve our finances. But as you dive deeper into your personal growth, into what goal you want to reach and really dig into why do I want to reach that, um, more often than not, people come to the realization that what truly brings happiness and joy is um, contribution to a greater good, to, um, to do something outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and God created us that way. I don't know if you're familiar with the happiness trifecta, but simply when we do something for others, when we give, um, we produce all three um, toxins in our brain that give us that super happy feeling. And it's called the happiness trifecta. And, and it's so beautiful how God has just created us to want to help people. But oftentimes we get so bogged down by what we need that we don't um, realize that what we actually need is mm -hmm. to contribute to something, to mm -hmm. um, to really have a purpose that goes beyond ourselves. So yes, 
Um, most often than not, people will start the process wanting to reach a certain thing. But then as they go through the process, they realize, oh, hold on, what I actually want to do is I want to, you know, help people that have gone through a similar thing because oftentimes people have a story, right, who've gone, want to help people gone through similar pain that they have gone through or they want to now write instead of writing books to entertain, they want to write books to inspire. So I usually say, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about who we become in the pro process and that is my main focus in a um in a in a client um tra trajectory really so a person is going to your website and and, and you're saying uh, wow live that dream and life of abundance all areas i'm going to be an overcomer I'm, and i'm i'm due for a brand new car um it, and let's just start say start speaking it is that going to be honored is is our selfish if, if we're, we're like we're trying to speak it into existence and we're praying it in and we're We've taken Tesla, Tesla's course to, to get to get us there, but but what we really want we want a bunch of stuff. We want some new stuff, mm. and uh, yeah. is that system and the universe and God and all everything involved going to supply it to us, or is there going to be some people saying or some things that say, "Well, <laughs> that's a little bit that ain't, that ain't that ain't happening." Well, yes. Definitely. I mean, there's also a lot of people going back to the law of attraction, right? There's a lot of people who follow the same guidelines that God has set for us to experience heaven on earth, who have a certain level of success with that. They are manifesting houses and millions of dollars in cars. So do, do these universal laws that God create mean that we can um, create abundance in those areas if there is selfish desire? Yes, to a certain point. But will they ever bring fulfillment? Never. So that is definitely the disclaimer that I want to make there. And and definitely as a coach, I don't look at um, the selfish desires. I really dig into, well, why do you want that money? And then always it comes out, well, I want it because I want to make a difference in the world. Or I want it to be able to set up, um, set up a school for underprivileged kids. There's always something deeper because God has put it in there. Mm -hmm. So... Could we just focus on on the purely um, selfish goals and get there? Yeah, mm -hmm. we can. But that's not what I'm here for as a coach because I know that it's going to bring you two weeks of happiness until, you know, the new car smell wears off and then you're going to still feel unhappy and empty. So that's not actually reaching your goal. Mm, okay, okay. Well, well, well said. Uh, you know, there's that commandment says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. And that to me, it's telling me don't covet their goods. And what we look at is as purely evil people that we know that they are because we have awareness, but, but their riches will evaporate just like everybody else's. And they're going to meet the exact same end that you are and nothing's going with them. So it's almost, and to me, that's, it's, it's like, almost like a psychological medical advice to help you don't do it. Don't don't look at other people's stuff and say, I, I can only be happy if I have what they have. So there's almost like this, the, the, the intricate knowledge of human behavior and the psychology of humans is in the Bible and tells us what we sh how we can have the most successful life because we're not going to be happy if, if we think, well, gee, I can't get what they got and I'm never going to be happy unless I do. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to say on that exactly what you're saying. How are you measuring your success? Because the Bible doesn't measure success in the same way that that the world today measures success. So, 
and and again success and fulfillment very different things because we know people right that have millions and millions of dollars are super successful end up killing themselves end up um, over overdosing so the world's uh, definition of success isn't the bible's definition of success because there is people in the bible that has played the smallest role and i forget her name now um but the story at the end says you'll be this will be put um spoken or be written in the bible as a remembrance of what you've done and it wasn't this massive thing but mm -hmm. that was success in biblical terms because this person stepped out in faith took a risk and that was success it wasn't success in millions of dollars or big houses it was success because that person fulfilled their purpose in that area and that brought mm -hmm. them so much peace and fulfillment okay. that we probably don't even okay, have I, today anymore. okay i want to know who said that so people watching the show in the live chat put I wanna, down i want to say it's ruth but it was a female ruth, who actually did, i was going to i think I was going to say oh, Naomi, maybe. Does it, somebody watching the show tell us who that was? Naomi, was it Ruth? Was it yes. Esther? It was a story that she went to the king and asked him something. Oh, I just can't yeah. remember. Who is it now? Uh, might, might have been she put Esther. her life on the line to actually go to the king. Well, this this is something. good. We're we're going to check to see if people watching the show are really watching yeah. the show because I just asked that question. Well, <laughs> I love doing that to them. All right, here's here's a question from our bear guy: uh, Is true happiness based on gratefulness? Is true happiness based on gratefulness? Is true happiness based on gratefulness? The more grateful you are, the more happy you are. Um, I think that being grateful is definitely the path to happiness. Um, it says in the Bible, we need to enter his gates with praise, with praise and thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, um, like I said, it's what you focus on, and it's like a flashlight. Say you're in a dark room and you have this flashlight in your hand, and you can either choose if you focus on on everything you're grateful for or everything that's wrong in your life mm -hmm. and whatever you point your flashlight on gets illuminated doesn't mean that everything else in the room is not there it still exists but you are going to see and experience what you focus on and for me one of the biggest transformations in my life has come when we started doing um daily gratitude uh, in the evening, my husband and I tell each other five things we're grateful for and mm. one thing we appreciate about the other. Wow. And it has transformed our lives. So is it is it is that everything that there is to happiness? Mm. No, because I think there can even be happiness. Wait, 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 wait. In five things that you're thankful for and then one thing that you're not? No, no. One thing we appreciate about each other. Oh, one thing you appreciate about each other. Well, what about, I mean, just to get along, you know, say that, you know, uh, you know, maybe your husband throws, throws his shirt on the floor and you're not, th you're not grateful for that. So, <laughs> so does that, does that come into conversation too? No. Where, where does that conversation take place? And then you like another one or. A, a, a I don't know if the conversation takes place. I mean, I'm sure I tell my husband the things I don't enjoy, but we don't choose the end of the night to discuss those things. <laughs> that but, would be, that would be problematic. Having on that topic, um, one of the best advice, uh, piece of advice I've ever heard from a relationship therapist is that once every week you should sit down and have a conversation and ask each other from zero to 10, what would you rate our relationship and what can I do to make it a 10? Because hmm. those are perfect um times to actually discuss in a neutral setting 
what the other one could improve on that would improve your relationship. And mm-hmm. that would be the perfect spot to say, well, I really would appreciate it if you could pick up your clothes and actually put them in the hamper instead of missing it every but, day. But, but isn't the, the normal reaction going to be a defensive one? No, no, not at all. Because you sit there wanting to improve and nobody is perfect, right? And we know that. And if you're going to sit there with a defensive mode, you can't grow. If, if you're not able to receive feedback and you're never going to grow. And it's the same in your marriage as well. By the way, we got, we got some winners in the live chat. They're saying Esther was one. Okay. Okay. Could be, I'm going to have to get my Bible now and read it. Uh, well, that, but I'll definitely that, look up the story. I was, I always like it when the show ends up causing people to get their Bibles open is we had a guy on the show that was saying things that were uh, so dubious and doubtful that I, I, I couldn't believe it, but I ended up, going to going to our we went the, my wife and I went to our bibles and we just caused this to study so what he was saying was ridiculous but we ended up studying so I thought well that that turned out to be a good thing yeah yeah anything that points to the word of god is usually a good turnout okay well we're getting near the end of the show Tessa so let's let's sum something up here what what can you do for people what's about your website what's going on so well, how I help people is through God's Word, first of all. So God's Word can be found in my book. It can be found in um, recordings and trainings. And then I help people get out of their own way, basically, Mm. and um, create the life that God wants us to live, an abundant life that we truly enjoy waking up to every day. So that is basically sums up what I do. Mm -hmm. And now you can safely say that you wake up every day just like that. No, no, there's definitely days that I do not want to get out of bed. (laughs) Because (laughs) again, we're not perfect. We're never the finished product. We always are forever evolving from glory to glory. However, I now know how to get myself out of that funk. Mm -hmm. So if I wake up in a bad mood and I don't want to do my day, don't want to be an adult, I just sit and do a priming exercise for 10 minutes um, where I just do some breathing exercises, I call on things I'm grateful for, and then I visualize my day. And by the time I'm done with that, I'm ready and excited about the day. Okay. Well, there you have it. Well, Tessie, uh, Tessa, thanks so much for coming on the Edge broadcast tonight. Spend some time with us. Well, thank you so much for all the questions and the in-depth study that you've done on my website. It's really good to have an honest conversation about faith. Thank you. All right. Have a good evening. Thank you. Same to you. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, everybody.